This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Did I put my phone on silent time? Yes, I did time. How about that time? That's what everyone comes to the Govals 24-7 podcast time for. Time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Govals. 24-7 podcast, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a pleasant Thursday early evening, God's on Knoxville, Tennessee, Fort Rucker Studio, just a couple of miles away from Neyland Stadium where Tennessee will again be in action this weekend, the Tennessee football team trying to uh, get past an early season disappointment, the 41-34 loss to Pitt last weekend, Vols will almost certainly atone for that in some ways because Tennessee Tech is coming to Neyland Stadium this weekend. So uh, no offense to the Golden Eagles, but they're an FCS team that's been outscored like, what, 78 to 14 in the first two weeks of the season or something. They, they're they struggling, so Tennessee ought to be able to get a win on the board, but there's still plenty to discuss. And just to prove how much there is to discuss, we're going to go down to the Govals 24-7 Blount County Satellite Office in Maryville And we're going to speak to the one, the only Grant Ramey, because if anyone can put into words just how exciting everything is right now, I I can't think of anyone better to do that than Grant Ramey. Grant, what's going on, man? I am the wordsmith of my generation. Like like Will Ferrell was the songbird, I am the wordsmith. That's true. That's true. You are the the wordiest person that I know. Also the boldest person I know. Um, Thank you. For sure. Appreciate that. You'll get to read a little bit more about that on Friday morning. Hint, hint. Uh, some of these bold predictions. Or is it Friday it's a good morning? Plug. Friday afternoon, Friday morning. It'll come out at some point Friday where we make our weekly bold predictions. And I make a, uh, an allegation that Grant's first attempt at a bold was not bold enough. And then he, in a very, very smart alecky way, retorts in his revised bold Who, prediction, me? which is actually pretty good. Uh, it's actually Who, pretty me? good. Yeah, I got to be honest, Grant. That's your your revised bold prediction is maybe the most specific in the history of uh, the Govals twenty four seven bold predictions. So listen, you got to be bold. I mean, that's it's bold. It's not vanilla predictions. It's bold predictions. So, <laughs> that's true. Let's go. And the the backstory to that is that in the first week of the season, um, well, you know, the, the the real backstory is that Patrick Brown used to be our our bold predictions are, but we had so many discussions on a weekly basis about what was bold and what wasn't that he gave it up and said, I'm not doing this anymore. He took his ball, he went home. And, and so now we, we don't have a bold predictions are, so we just sort of comment on how bold or like thereof everyone's ideas are. So that will listen, be listen, Friday. I, I explained this in writing, but I've gone like 
career three for 627 in my bold predictions uh, during my time as a 247 sports employee. So like I wrote in my theory, this is that makes me the most successful bold predictor because my predictions are the boldest. I'm actually, Graham, before we get on to Tennessee Tech and everything this week, I'm glad you're the guy on the podcast today as you uh, hopefully we'll be on most Thursdays throughout the, the season. We, we've got our schedule kind of set up. It looks like it's going to be that way for now. Um, because, you know, we put in new floors all day, uh, yes, a, a lot of the day yesterday in the, in the new nursery there for the, for the kiddo to be. And, um, my, my legs are just killing me today. So it feels like I had one of those Grant Ramey leg day gyms, mm. leg, leg days at the gym where it's just like everything in my leg hurts. Cause like normally you know, could- we ride the Peloton and stuff. So like you get used to those muscles being kind of sore, but like when you're, when you're getting down, like banging in a floor all day long, you use leg muscles that you're, you probably hadn't used for many other things in a while. And it hurts. That you forgot existed. Basically. Yeah. At this age, I mean, 39, I mean, it, I, I, could, I could relate to that, but I never get sore. So I don't know what you're talking there about. There you go. I like it. I like it. So let's that, get better. that will be a pretty good segue into talking about one of the many Tennessee players who we think uh, most likely will be back on Saturday. And of course that would be Tyon Evans. If you're going to talk about leg day, you got to talk about, you got to talk about the quad God himself. Uh, Josh Heupel on Thursday morning, as he's done so far throughout the season, he he speaks with reporters after practice on Thursday. They're just before lunchtime, so late in the morning. And it's kind of funny because every week uh, we ask him questions uh, that 48 hours or so before a game, he has absolutely no designs on answering. And so today, uh, again, we, we got a whole lot of nothing about the uh, the topics that we actually wanted to uh, probably discuss most on this podcast, uh, which are – who will be starting at tennis uh, at quarterback for Tennessee on Saturday, and uh, what's the update, uh, the status update on some of these injured players because some of them are some of the most important players on the team. So uh, did not get a lot of answers to those things on Thursday. No, and I will you know tip my cap I guess physically to Josh Heupel even Tennessee Tech Week, even Tennessee Tech Week, he's not going to tip his hand on anything like like we said last week we don't blame him for that that's what college coaches do they don't. They don't talk about anything they don't have to talk about, and they're going to dance around every question they can dance around when it comes to personnel and anything that would give uh, the opposing team an advantage. I think you could tell uh, Tennessee Tech your first 15 scripted plays, who's going to start, where they're going to start, what they're going to do. I think you you should still be able to beat this Tennessee Tech team. Like you said, they've been outscored 52-14 to and 26 to nothing over their first two weeks. But I will hand it to Josh Heupel. The further we get along through this thing, the more shocked I am that he came out and said Joe Milton's going to be my starting quarterback the week, uh, I guess, a few days before Bowling Green uh, to start the season. So, it, I mean, we're going to talk about Tennessee Tech later. I mean, this is a feels like a preseason game. This is not Georgia State. This is not Jacksonville State. This is not Appalachian State. This is a FCS team that's not very good. Um, and it's a, it's a perfect timing, really, for Tennessee because of the frustrations of last week coupled with the injuries from last week, coupled with just kind of the personnel questions that you have to answer moving forward. And you just so happen to have a FCS team coming to town before you start that SEC schedule. Yeah, I will say this, though. We're already picking up on some of the Josh Heupel's sort of go-to cliches, like his go-to comments. And it doesn't take very long. I mean, you you start – you know, building a Rolodex of, of, of different coaches and, and their press conferences, and you can usually pick up on what they're, 
they're saying, you know, Butch Jones, it was, well, what's just an outright lie? That's whatever Butch Jones would say. Uh, plus, <laughs> you know, the whole, um, you know, brick by brick thing. Then you had Pruitt and you had I, and that, that was sort of the thing he would go to a lot. Heupel, uh, very quickly, you can tell that it's uh, the word connection. Anytime he can use the word connection, he will. He's big on that word. And the second one, and we started to pick it up a little bit more, how you do anything is how you do everything. And it's worked. It's apparently said, at least often enough, that Willie Martinez even said it this week during his presser, the secondary coach, uh, in his second stint at Tennessee. He came with Heupel uh, from UCF, and he goes up here, and, and he says the same thing. And what I mean by that is, even during Tennessee Tech Week, he is committed to not saying anything about specific injuries or availability or maybe who a starter is going to be at a certain position. And so how you do anything is how you do everything. If you're going to do it Florida Week, do it Tennessee Tech Week. And I think he's just setting the example there. I think he's just showing, hey, this, I'm just not going to talk about it. And so that leaves more time for us to sit here and try to discover things um, as best as we can and, and to discuss possibilities and other things of that nature. I can tell you that I think Tyon Evans is going to play. Uh, I'm not positive one way or the other on Jabari Small. I don't know what's going to go on with his shoulder. I, guessing from what we saw last week, you know, J- Joe Milton, he was limping around a little bit there coming out of the tunnel in, to start the, the third quarter, but he was on the sideline throwing like he was a guy who, if he needed him, he could go in. So I, I, I don't think there's any long-term concerns there. Uh, we know Byron Young is going to be available to play. We know, um, you know, we don't know as much about uh, – Jalen Hyatt, but I'm, I'm led to believe that there's not like a huge long-term concern with his, his injury either. So that's that's good news for Tennessee. But the, this is one of those weeks, Grant, where, where I think it, two really, you know, kind of conflicting points really bump up against each other. And that is you got Florida coming up next week. So you you would like to be as healthy as you could going into that game. That's that's the first thing, and it's really important. The other thing is some of these guys really could use some more game reps, even if it's Tennessee Tech, before they go into that game. So I don't know how you square those things. It probably comes down to just a fact of just how healthy is a guy, would he make it worse by playing? And if the answer is no, he probably won't make it worse by playing, you probably play him a little bit this week, don't you? I think so, and I think the most interesting case study there is Joe Milton III. I mean, what Joe does a lot of good things at a solid level, What and he does one bad thing at a comically bad level, yeah. which is missing those deep balls that he missed over and over in the first quarter against Pitt on Saturday. I've never seen anything like it. I don't think anybody around here has seen anything like it. He's got the arm talent. He just doesn't have the touch on the ball. So if there is one guy at one position – that you think, I want to get you out there for a couple reps, if he could just connect on a deep ball on Saturday against Tennessee Tech, does that help him click with something maybe down the road? Is that like a hitter in baseball that hadn't hit in two weeks and he steps to the plate and he splits a gap and it's just like, okay, I can go back and I can do that again. I mean, can he get those reps and and replicate that moving forward? I think that's the biggest question. You you balance that with his health and, yeah, you're right. Do you really want to risk putting him out there and and maybe – furthering some kind of damage for Florida next week. If, if he's your guy going into next week against Florida, um, how long do you play him and hooker uh, after what we saw against Pitt? Do you play Harrison Bailey at long last uh, that Tennessee fans have been asking for? So at quarterback specifically, 
that's the most uh, interesting part to me in how, who do you play? How long do you play them? And kind of what's your mindset going into a game like this? It is, it does feel like a preseason game. That said, since he's going to have to take care of business, the first three, four, five possessions of the game, whatever, get the points on the board. And then you can start figuring out reps for those guys that you want to see on the field, the depth guys that you want, you want to know more about what they're like between the white lines on a game day. Yeah, and I, I think this is not something that, that maybe should be on Heupel's radar. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But but I, I don't know that as a first-time head coach at a place like a Tennessee, I don't know that he totally thinks about things like this yet. And maybe he shouldn't. But the fact is, whoever you put in a quarterback in this game, there's a chance they could put up some big numbers. So – if you are going to sit Joe Milton and if you are going to play Hooker or you're going to play, you know, Bailey would be even more so an example in this case. If you're going to play those guys, there's a chance they go out there and, and rip off a, you know, 10 for 12 for 230 and two touchdowns or just something like that in a small amount of time. And then Milton comes back against Florida next week and he doesn't put up big numbers because it's a game in the swamp and all those other things. And then people start pointing to numbers, even though it's comically stupid to do that, there are people who will do that. And and so I don't know that Heupel thinks about that and I don't know if he should, but I think anyone who's been around this program long enough knows exactly that that would be a thing that would happen, right? Like you would sit Milton because you just want to get that knee a little bit of rest. The other guys go in there, they put up huge numbers, and then Milton comes back next week and he's just kind of, you know, uh, so some good, some bad. And, I mean, we've seen that song and dance before, haven't we? Yeah, and and there's always going to be that, that, that caveat for a game like this, that it is Tennessee Tech. doesn't matter who's in there, what they do, how well they do it. It's Tennessee Tech. You expect them to perform at a very, very high level against that level of competition. One thing that I think is kind of unique to this Tennessee offense, especially with the quarterbacks, is how quickly can they operate in this system? How efficiently can they go from the ball being placed by the official, being spotted, to getting the snap off, to identifying defenses, to getting in the calls that you want to get in? I mean, they've these coaches have run through the checklist of what these guys need to do in those seconds between the time the ball is spotted and the time the ball is snapped, and it's an insane list. I don't know how you can think that quickly but the best way you're going to learn is getting live reps. I mean, you can try to simulate it in practice, but those are your guys on the other side of the field. Yes, this is Tennessee Tech. Yes, this is an FCS opponent, but that is a different defense. You don't know what's going to be called. You know really what they're going to line up in. They could throw something at you that you haven't seen on tape. To this point, how quickly can you react? How quickly can you get the calls out? How quickly can you just operate? Because every tenth of a second in this offense matters at the speed at which they want to go. So, Yes, it is just Tennessee Tech, but it's also how efficiently does Hendon Hooker operate in this? How efficiently does Harrison Bailey operate in this? What do both of those guys look like from the time the ball spotted till it snapped? And I was thinking about this the, the other the other day, but before we go to break here, I, you know, I was watching uh, bits of the cinematic classic Major League Two, which I think, if I if I remember correctly, I think it won the Academy Award for Best Picture in 1994. I think, uh, and it had uh, Rube Baker at catcher. And, you know, I think that was the one, right, where Rube Baker just cannot throw to second. He, he just he has a hard time throwing it back to the pitcher. He can do all these other things, but he, right. he just throwing it back to the – he just has a hard time with that. And I was thinking a little bit of Joe Milton with that because there was a time in that game last week where there's a throw that he makes, on I think a third down to, to Jacob Warren 
near like across the field on an out route that you like that was an NFL throw that he made yes. look easy and he just I mean ripped it right into the place it needed to be right in stride Warren doesn't move his hands he's right there just a perfect throw and then you have Tillman running down the sideline with absolutely no one anywhere near him and he overthrows the ball and you're like oh, oh no oh no and what I'm there are so many things in the course of a game in the middle not even the throw to, to Warren there there are other things like that throw to Hyatt the, the one where he got hurt. I'm not sure a lot of guys can make that throw. Right. That far in the air into that. If he if he throws it farther, it's out of the back of the end zone. That was exactly where it needed to be. And a lot of guys can't make that throw. A lot of guys. I would say there's probably even a couple NFL quarterbacks who might, with their arm strength, have a hard time making that throw. You heard Peyton and Eli talking on Monday Night Football about how sometimes if the throw was longer than like 45 yards, they were sometimes like, oh, i got to get some – you know, later mm-hmm. in their careers, they got to put a little oomph in it to get it there. He can do those things. And he he's made a lot of good decisions, frankly, throughout the course of a game, too. He, you know, it, it's that he's overthrown those deep balls, and it's that there's been a couple times where he's not seen someone he should have seen who was wide open. But other than one ball against Bowling Green that I think a better team intercepts, he's not put any throws in a dangerous situation. They, they've been able to administer the offense properly. He's done a lot of those little things right and, and some really impressive things. It's just those things that it's like, bro, how can you do that? And, and that's, again, why, in, in my opinion, I stick with him for now because I refuse to believe that a guy can't make that throw. And Maybe I'm naive, but I refuse to believe that a guy can't learn to hit a guy who's 40 yards down the field wide open and give him a chance. I refuse to believe that he can't do that. It's just a matter of, can you deal with the pains along the way to him getting there? And and I think that's maybe the question people have to ask right now. Can is it worth? Is that juice worth the squeeze and how painful it could be? Yeah. Would you rather Joe be given the guy in the third row a concussion, or would you rather have Hinden Hooker not see the backside safety on a crucial fourth drive, fourth to fourth quarter drive late in the game when you when you need to go down the field for a touchdown? I mean, I, and my question is, can you really teach? touch on the ball like can you really change mechanics or because with with joe at six five whatever he is 245 with the arm strength that he has and i i can see that throw you're talking about in my head the way he snapped it out there on an out route that really i mean that is an nfl throw to the sideline like you said and it happened right after he missed a guy you know wide open 10 yards in the end zone whatever can you teach that i mean is that like you can't teach size i mean john lester can you know paint the black and be a warhorse in the yep. playoffs but he can't throw to first and it's just like a mental block like why can you not just step up turn around throw to first i mean it's much harder to go to the plate and place it where you want with the the velocity that you want make hitters miss or pitch the contact or whatever and then he can't throw it to first so can you teach uh that kind of touch on the ball or is it something where he needs needs to get in there and get the number of reps and adjust to his receivers and find a way to calibrate that touch on his passes. I don't know, but I, I, I don't think you bell on your guy after two weeks because if you do, it's going to be a really long season and a really a, a lot of quarterback shuffles because if you're belling this quickly, you'll bell, bell that quickly again. Yeah, and it also would, would remind everyone, those of us who watch soccer anyway, of the times that, that a coach makes three, all three of his subs at halftime or two of his three subs at halftime, and you that's just the universal sign for I didn't have this right going into the game. And and that's yeah. something that, that 
you know, that might, it might be talking more about a coach's ego than anything else at that point, but still, like, that's not something that – it's not something that you like to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a drop right here. This is my mulligan. I'm, I'm going to try it again. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, to me, I, I still ride with Milton, and there's a lot of people who are – who don't agree with that, and that's fine. Um, you know, I think that you could make an argument for going to Hooker. I don't see an argument for going to Bailey yet. I, I just don't. I, I, a lot of people want that to happen. I just don't. For many reasons that we've talked about on many other podcasts for the past month, and you can go back and listen to all of them, I'm just tired of having that debate. I, you know, it, it's, it, it's, not, it's not what they want to do right now. So right. I, people just probably need to accept that. So that's where it is. But – uh, there will be uh, this will be an opportunity maybe for him, for him to play on Saturday. And my God, if he goes out there and goes seven for eight, you know, for 160 yards and two <laughs> touchdowns in the against the second team defense for Tennessee Tech in the second half, my people will be pouring pictures outside of the stadium. I just, you know, hey man, I, I, the kid's got a long time to develop, and I hope he turns into a good player wherever he goes, whether whether he sticks to Tennessee or goes somewhere else. I just don't think that people need to right now be thinking about him being Tennessee starting quarterback. Cause I, I just, I just, I could be wrong, but I don't think it's going to happen. So let's go into a break. Uh, let's pay some bills, listen to product services, in-house ads, other fun things, come back really quickly and have a discussion on what, what would a good weekend be like for Tennessee? What would a good Saturday against Tennessee tech look like it, it is what things need to happen for, for people to, even in a game like this, check off the list and say this this was a pretty pretty good weekend for the Vols. We'll, we'll come back. And also some, uh, some basketball recruiting information, too, since we got ground here. So we're going to discuss all that when we come back here in just a second. Hashtag ad. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Grant Ramey coming to you from the Blunt County Satellite Office of Go Vols 24-7 down there in Merville, as he likes to think of it, the county of champions and the city of champions. And that's, that's his story, and he's sticking to it. Got a lot more to discuss on this podcast. We're talking mostly Tennessee football. We'll have a little bit of hoops at the end, uh, obviously, maybe to be like, hey, here's some good news, guys. You know, so we stick that at the end, like, let's end on a good note, right? Let's Costanza it. Uh, so, so we'll get to that in a second. But before we do that, just a quick reminder, if you could take about 90 seconds out of your day right now, please subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website, that's fine. We love you. There's nothing wrong with that. But what would really help us is if you go in there in uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Anywhere in the world, 
you can cast a, a fine pod. You can find the Go Boss 24-7 podcast. Please hit that subscribe button. Please rate and review this podcast. There's nothing you can do that would help us more than that. So please go in there, leave a review, leave some comments, help us add more wolves to our wolf pack, as we've done since we started this thing years ago. Grant, Tennessee playing Tennessee Tech on Saturday at noon, and before a million of y'all ask us on Saturday, it's going to be on SEC Network Plus. Which, oh, boy. Which Here means, we go. Which means you're going to need the ESPN app. You're gonna I was need, not mentally prepared for this conversation. Yeah, you're going to need this, and, and I'm, I'm, I, I just know that it's going to come like a freight train at like 12.03 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, like a million, you know, tweets and posts on the board and everywhere about where, where's the game? Why is it not on TV? I've, ch- I've searched all the channels. Every SEC team is playing at least one game per year on the SEC Network Plus streaming thing. This is that game for Tennessee. Tennessee will be playing not on a television station. They can be on your television. If you have a smart TV or if you have one of those, you know, the 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 the, the streaming sticks, you know, the the whatever right. you call them, the fire sticks, the the Apple ones, the Roku's, whatever they are. If you have that or your laptop, your your computer, your your phone, you, you got to go on there. That's how you're going to get the game this weekend. So once people figure that out, and God be with those of us who are going to have to spend part of Saturday trying to explain that to people. Once the game actually happens and people start watching it, Grant, what does a good game look like for Tennessee? Because Tennessee probably, it obviously doesn't need its fastball to win this game. It doesn't even need to play that great to win this game. Just kind of needs to show up and take care of some business. But you don't want to just waste a week, right? You want to get something out of it. What's a good week look like for Tennessee? First of all, shout out Tennessee football on Twitter. They they started tweeting about this yesterday, the programming note on how to watch this thing. And somebody from ESPN emailed me today with more information to share on how to watch. So I think this is a this is obviously this is obviously nothing new. Um, a good game Saturday for Tennessee um, is a game where you don't see a guy like Jalen Hurts hobbling off. You don't. I mean, Jalen. Sorry, Jalen Hyatt hobbling off. You don't see a guy like Cooper Mays, you know, with a bad ankle like you saw against Bowling Green. I mean, if you go down the list of, of guys you really don't want injured, Tennessee's really checked it off the yeah. first couple of weeks. Right down I mean, the it's list. incredible. I mean, and it's not only injuries either. I mean, it is like if it, if it can go wrong, it'll go wrong. I mean, Byron Young, Tyon Evans, Joe Milton, Jabari Small, Jalen Hyatt. I mean, those are guys at the top of the depth, depth chart going into the year you thought you really don't want to miss any time with these guys. So they've already kind of been through – a lot of that gauntlet. So whoever plays Saturday against Tennessee Tech, however uh, many snaps they play, however many uh, different guys they can get on the field, you just want to come away healthy because those guys are your depth guys down the road if you do get yeah. to empty your bench and get a lot of reps for a lot of different guys. So if they can avoid the terrible luck they've had so far with personnel issues and the injury bug, that's a win in my book. And, and, and another win you learn from a team like Georgia State when they're 25-point underdogs. Uh, this game, obviously, I assume is not even on the board in Vegas because it's it's that kind of game. Yeah. But you just take care of business and you don't really break a sweat in terms of worrying about what's going on on the scoreboard. You just kind of go out and play your game and execute uh, and get a lot of good reps on tape. Yeah, and it's one of those deals where I, I, I think – and just before we recorded this, I was uh, talking on an Alabama radio station and they sort of asked me this question, so I started to think about it. Sort of what does a, a good game look like for Tennessee? And, and, and I just thought, you know, the, there's going to be a lot of 
a lot of that depends on what kind of week it's been for Tennessee, uh, because you know the uh, the Nobel laureate Mike Tyson once said that you know everyone's got a plan until they got punched in the mouth, right? And and so once you get that win taken out of your sails for the first time, right? We knew this was coming for Tennessee at some point, but but you have this new coaching staff and they're preaching a much more positive message. Uh, they're they're getting more involved with their players. They're they're being more you know, relatable to them. They are, you know, they're, they're, they just seem to enjoy being around each other more. They're doing more team building exercises. All these good things are happening. And, and then you lose a game. So how do you respond to that? And, and I think that's something that Heupel talked about on Monday because he was pretty pleased with it. He, he, he said, you know what, that was a really good practice that, that just happened, you know, on that field not long ago. And, that's never at all guaranteed when you're coming off your first loss of the season. So this game, and you said this earlier, Grant, it, it, it's the perfect time for a game like this for many reasons, right? You just took your first L of the season. You got some guys hurt you didn't want to get hurt. You got to get you know some positive vibes back going into Florida next weekend. You, you need to get some guys healthy, get some guys feeling better about themselves. This game can check all of those boxes, um, but it, it, it's not – if you're building a program the way that you want to build it, you ought to be able to come back from something like that, and you ought to be able to go out there and go about your business. And and you, you can't have guys thinking like, oh, well, we were all in and, and this now, but now this this stuff sounds corny. Now this stuff sounds, you know, why are we acting like everything's okay? We just, you know, lost a game we should have won. That's the, the reality of it, is that you've got to go out there and have a good week this week. You have got to take it seriously. You know, there's things that those things, they might do those. You know, they could have had a terrible week of practice. And we might not know it by the result of this game itself on Saturday, right? But those coaches know it, and those players know it. And it would show itself the next week when you go down to Gainesville. It would show itself if you're in the second half of a tight game against Mizzou on the road, a place where a lot of times Tennessee's had a hard time winning over there. There's that's when it comes out, and I think weeks like this are so important for that because if you have some freshmen or some underclassmen who who start to they waver a little bit now, you know I'm not playing, which is okay when we're winning. Now we've lost. Now this sucks. If you have some seniors going, man, I came back for this. Like what's going on here? It's been really important, I think, for Tennessee that we haven't heard that, and it's not just that during the official interviews because. They're not going to come out during official interviews and say things are bad. But talking to people behind the scenes, too, I get the sense that they've been pretty pleased with how this week has gone. I mean, you got to go back to the spring or I guess the winter when they're doing dodgeball and they're bringing ice cream trucks to uh, spring practices when they're done. And, And they're doing a lot of stuff, team outing, team bonding stuff that would make cynical people. Couldn't be me. I hate cynical people. What are you going to do with cynical people, right? That would make you you roll your eyes and go, what are they doing? They just need to win football games. What's the point of that? You hope all of that stuff that you did to try to build that connection, like you said, that's the word that that Heupel says over and over and over when he gets a chance in press conferences. You have to have that pay off right now. And obviously, I think we saw a little bit of it against Pitt. I wrote this in my game picks. Pitt is not, you know, let's not make them out to be a juggernaut, but that was a team that – Tennessee could have rolled over and died and lost by three touchdowns and nobody were, really would have blinked an eye because you turned it over three times. You had injuries, yep. you had 13 penalties, disastrous, you know, for 134 yards uh, at the worst possible times. A lot of those penalties, 
and you still, you know, were three yards away from tying the game midway through the fourth quarter. And you still had a chance to win that game. Even after you got stuffed right there on the goal line, you got the ball back, you had a chance to, to do something with it. So I think we maybe saw a little bit of that payoff. And, and nobody likes these FCS really overmatched games. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of just what the college football, you know, food chain demands. You have to bring these teams in. You got to give them some money to help fund their athletic department, their football program, all that stuff. They need that game, and yep. you need this game if you're Tennessee. It's not the best thing for fans because you're probably wanting to get home for a 3.30 game on CBS or, you know, all that stuff, whatever else is going on in the college football world on this weekend. But, I mean, you hope to – you don't want to go to Florida having to answer all these questions that we've been talking about for the last, you know, however many minutes. You want to have some kind of, you know, go-between answer between that pit loss and all the questions it created and having to go to, you know, Florida and start your, your SEC schedule at 7 o'clock uh, primetime. Yeah, you never really see a coach like – or a player like hoisting a national title trophy or something, and they're saying, "How'd you get to that point?" And they're like, "Cause we played kickball. Yeah. Yeah. We did trust falls. <laughs> we got ice cream after spring practice. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, we had this. The Navy SEALs came in and taught us about leadership. I mean, you know, you don't hear that stuff, and and so that's why you know you go, Meh, what are you doing? But but I think for programs like Tennessee, I think it's sort of exactly what it needed going into this off season. It had to have good vibes because of everything that happened, because of things that might happen going forward, you had to come in and build something while you had a chance to do it. And it's moments like this and like next week where we kind of start to get a sense of, of how all that went. So, I, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, the last thing I'll say before I ask you a basketball question and we get out of here, Grant, is one thing that I will very much be keeping an eye on this week, especially while the the main guys are on the field, right? When you got your first and second teamers out there during the game, it's got to be got to be a low penalty game. I mean, if the if the young guys come in late and you got guys playing in their first time and and they can't run the the play clock correctly or something, or you know they only get ten out there because one of them didn't pay attention, or you got to call timeout because you only got ten guys out there in a kickoff return. If those things happen while you've got the the guys in there at the end of the game, okay, man, it happens. We'll learn from those teachable moment, yada yada. You can't have that in the first half. You can't have some of these dumb things like if one more offensive lineman goes into the pile late and hits somebody at the end of a play where everyone knows exactly what they're doing. And it's so obvious that a, th- a flag has to be thrown, right? If that stuff happens, um, that that's going to be that's going to turn into a not the kind of weekend it needs to be because those are the kinds of things that will get you beat when it matters. And if you don't believe that, go back about five days ago. That's what got Tennessee beat in that game. On top of everything else that happened, all the t- the turnovers, all of the you know, missed opportunities, the injuries, not hitting the deep balls, yada, yada, yada. And then Pickett looking like Baker Mayfield out there, light running around, making some ridiculous throws on the run. All of that stuff happens. Tennessee still wins the game if it doesn't get penalized for 134 yards. It just doesn't happen. Tennessee wins that game probably. So it's important. I mean, you can be a really good football team or you can be a really bad football team, and it doesn't matter who you're playing, what level of competition you're playing. You could be playing a junior varsity high school squad. You can still look like a dumb football team. And mm-hmm. when somebody runs in on the pile and takes somebody's head off way late right in front of the official, when you're in the red zone, you look like a dumb football team. And, and when you suplex a guy on a tackle, you look yeah. like a dumb football team because you can't get away with that in this day and age 
and everybody knows it, and it's happening right there in front of official again. So you can look like a really dumb football team against a Tennessee Tech, even if it's 56 to nothing. If you've got 13 more penalties for 150 more yards, it becomes like, oh, man, this is a thing? Like this is going to be happening every single yeah. week? Or is it going to be like this was a really bad week where they turned it over three times, they had a ton of penalties, a ton of penalty yards at the worst possible time, and then they get back to being a smart, disciplined football team. We'll see if that happens, but that's going to have to be the team they are, a smart, disciplined, hold on to the football and create turnovers, which they have not done um, because they just the margin for error for this team, for this roster is so small. And the schedule is so rough that you have to be a smart football team and you need to look like that uh, regardless of who the opponent is. Grant, before we get out of here, because uh, I know we're pressed up against it with some things we got to go do. Uh, when you talk about basketball, and we've talked about this a lot, how Tennessee's just sort of becoming a place where five stars want to come play basketball. Uh, there is one that, that – I don't know if you would say, because there might be some other guys who disagree with this, but I don't know if you would say this is without question, inarguably, the top guy Tennessee wants in this class. Um, but the guy coming to town this weekend might be the guy Tennessee wants the most in this class, right? I, I think it is that guy, and, and you're referencing five-star combo guard Cason Wallace. He's yep. the number seven player in the country uh, in the latest 247 ra- ratings update. He's the number two combo guard in the class. He's the number one player in the state of Texas. Here's how badly Tennessee wanted him last Thursday, or wants him, wants him, I'm sorry. Last Thursday, the active recruiting period opened, and Tennessee's entire staff that Thursday morning was in Richardson, Texas, at his school watching him work out. I think they were maybe, maybe them in Texas were the only teams that had their whole staff there Thursday morning. And how the recruiting world works, you basically know how prioritized you are by a team based on how quickly they come to see you once that new window opens. So Tennessee was there last Thursday. Now Tennessee was there this Thursday, Tennessee was there this week to see him on a Thursday in Richardson, Texas, before he's going to be on campus on Friday afternoon to start his second official visit with Tennessee. And yeah, I think far and away, this is the priority in the 2022 class for Tennessee. Uh, they've wanted him since, since the day Rob Clark got hired and the connection that he has with Kaysen and how long he's worked with him in the, his past. Uh, once he got on campus for the official visit, Rick Barnes basically said, you got to get me this guy. I want this guy on my team. I want this guy on part of my program. So he's been the probably the number one priority since then. And, and they've done, you know, everything they can do in this recruitment, they've done it. This is the second time they're going to have him on campus for an official visit. It's Tennessee. It's Kentucky. It's Texas. Uh, really, a lot of people say it's Kentucky or Texas. I'm sorry, Kentucky or Tennessee. Tennessee had a, a lot of the momentum over the summer. And, and then Kentucky kind of slow played a little bit, start prioritizing him later offered him later. I think he said publicly that Kentucky was his dream school uh, at one point. So maybe Kentucky has the momentum right there. I don't know. Tennessee still feels like they're very much in the thick of it. And I don't think he would be taking a petty official visit. I'm just doing this for appearances to make you feel good. I think if, if he was done in his recruitment, I'm not sure that he would still be coming to Tennessee to make this visit. So that sets the stage for his commitment day. It's supposed to be November 7th. We'll see if it lasts that long when the early signing period opens, but uh, that's kind of the lay of the land on that one. Yeah, and and and, and Kentucky just recently, of course, this is what Kentucky does a lot. I, I believe just added its third five star in, in this class uh, already. So, and people have asked me what that means for Tennessee. I usually say ask Grant to because he would. I could give you a pretty good answer. He'd probably give you a better answer. I, I can say this though. I don't with five star players unless you're talking about a quarterback and there's already one committed in other sports and, and even in, in football and in, in non-quarterback positions, doesn't usually matter with those guys. Um, 
they believe they're good enough to go start anywhere. They believe they're good enough to go play anywhere. They believe they can get themselves in basketball to the NBA in a year or two. They're not really concerned. That would not be a deterrent, uh, I don't think, for anyone like him in that situation. The, the question is, you know, would it help Kentucky? Because they've already got – he knows, you know, this is a year-to-year roster turnover thing in college basketball in a lot of cases. He knows if he's going to Kentucky, he's got an idea who he's playing with. Uh, at Tennessee, maybe he would have to, you know, do a little bit more digging to figure that out. I think Tennessee's biggest pitch here would be you can go to Kentucky and be one of a handful of five stars in your own signing class, or you can come to Tennessee and, and you can point to how hyped uh, and how much coverage and surrounding and, you know, fan excitement was around Josiah Jordan James when he became the first five star for Barnes to sign with Tennessee, when Kennedy Chandler's the latest, Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer, those guys, you can see how, I don't know, you, you're kind of blending in with the crowd because of how many five stars Kentucky gets. I mean, even for Kentucky standards, this class they're trying to put together in 2022 is like a holy crap class. Yeah, it is. I mean, there is that many elite talent in it already, and they're trying to add a kid like Casey Wallace. So, uh, that would I would assume that's kind of the sales pitch. You can go there and be one of a handful of five stars. You can come here at Tennessee where they don't have, you know, I don't know what the exact number is. There's not a ton of them. There's a lot more after the last few years. Uh, but five stars don't exactly just kind of happen every single year, even though uh, maybe I shouldn't say that because it has been happening the last few cycles. Yeah, hell hath no fury like a John Calipari who who's had a couple of years on the court that he didn't love. Uh, because right. that guy on the recruiting trail after that, if you had any doubts about what, what his response was going to be to a couple of leaner years, well, you're getting your answer now. He's not ready to, he's not ready to coast off into the uh, bluegrass sunset and, and work with horses just yet. He, he's ready to, uh, he's ready to keep winning. So that's, that's going to be interesting, interesting. Lots of good stuff there. Grant, I think I always ask you this, but unless you got anything else, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and wrap it up here. But I'm going to ask you, Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Bold Man, do you have anything else? I didn't. I wasn't rude to you this week, so it's <laughs> true. Pat on the back for you me. Weren't compli- I didn't dismiss, you weren't completely I didn't out- dismissive. I didn't outright dismiss you. That's so true. You I'm just, gonna go ahead. And, I'm you, gonna go ahead and hang up on you just to make up for it. You just wait for Friday and the uh, and the the bold predictions piece uh, to to do That's it right. this week. And so see you, man. Appreciate it, buddy. See you. And that should wrap us up for this edition of the Go Vols 24/7 podcast. Thanks, Grant, as always, for joining us. Thank you all for listening. Most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you. We always say it, but we always mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Uh, if you just want Tennessee news in your in your Twitter feed, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 and get a ton of stuff there all day, every day. But if you want the best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water right from the tap, go get that at govals247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, all things Lady Vols, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all the time, basketball, softball, all kinds of good stuff, recruiting stuff, exclusive stuff with coaches, all sorts of stuff Maria gives us there on govals247.com. And we got two forms that run around the clock throughout the day, as the name 24-7 suggests. we got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can discuss anything you want with us, as long as it's not political or religious in nature. You can discuss anything you want all day long, every day. 
right there at GoBalls247.com. And you get all of that. That's a couple dozen fresh content items every day. The, the message board, the insights, the, the, the best recruiting database that's ever been built, the, the best sports. It's going to be – it's on its way to being the best sports database ever built. All of that you get for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That's all it costs. And if you pay that after a seven-day free trial – if you pay us that price, which is, again, really, really reasonable, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus, a wonderful CBS Viacom streaming platform that has every show CBS has ever made, commercial free, tons of exclusive shows like Evil and Picard, all that Star Trek stuff, all that, new movies, classic movies. You get stuff from the catalogs of Comedy Central, MTV, BET, Nickelodeon, and Smithsonian. You get live sports. Uh, you, so you get SEC stuff, which obviously means Vol stuff. You get the NCAA tournament, March Madness, all that stuff. You get NFL. You get PGA Tour. UEFA Champions League, which just kicked back off. UEFA Europa League, which just kicked back off. All of that. All of that. For free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we will give you for free if you take advantage of what's already a really good deal and go to GoVols247.com. If, if there's nothing else, guys, you should hear from us uh, sometime Saturday after the game against Tennessee Tech. We'll have a quick roundup recap episode of all that. Uh, so unless there's any big breaking news before then, you will hear from us, uh, should hear from us this weekend. So until then, be safe, guys. Uh, the, the COVID numbers in Tennessee are not good right now, flat out. It's not political. It's science. The numbers are right there, and they are not good in this region right now. So be careful. Please get that vaccine. Please wash your hands. Please take care of each other. Please be kind to your fellow human. Please, if you can't do anything else throughout all of this, please just be nice to people. We don't have enough of that in the world right now. Until then, see you. Be good. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.